Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Really excited to have our guest on today and Zach Witherspoon, Assistant Trade and Conditioning Coach for the LA Rams. Uh, excited to talk about his journey, his path, uh, the recent success, and then the continued success uh, to come. But Zach, nonetheless, welcome and uh, looking forward to chatting today. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me on, man. So how did you get into this world of, of strength and conditioning? Obviously, uh, you played football as um, an athlete. And then, you know, after that, I feel like mo- for most, it's, it's like, what do I want to do next? Right. And how do I kind of stay in the game? Kind of, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, I, I grew up around strength and conditioning or personal training. It's what my dad did growing up. Um, was in the weight room from a, a younger age, you, you know, start training early in high school and really uh, not just, you know, learning to bench press like we all did when we were that age and just working to put the plate on there, but really learning some of the why and some of the how that, that this goes into training athletes. And it, it made a huge difference for me. I, I needed that, that edge to perform better and, and to even get to the levels of performance that I got to. Um, so it, it was a love language for me from the start. Then I, I went to Carson Newman University to, to play receiver in the, in the split back veer, which is a, a thankless profession in and of itself. And um, they had a phenomenal exercise science program. So that's really where I, I developed some of the scientific background that I still draw on um, with the dual role of sports science here. And um, that, that internship as a part of my undergrad pushed me to Exos and what was then called Athletes Performance which is a private sector facility working with professional athletes. Um, and I was working with the NFL veterans there at the time. Afterwards, there was that post-college, what am I, like you said, what am I going to do next? I knew I wanted to be involved in strength conditioning, but what, is it a private sector? Is it going to take a job with Exos or is it more of a team sector? Because I, I really did enjoy the, the football lifestyle. I was a football player. Um, so ended up at New Mexico State University, was there for the, the better part of seven years. And um, really, that was a phenomenal time for me because I, I had the opportunity to wear a lot of hats there, um, whether it was training men's basketball, training football, uh, implementing sports science systems, you know, directing a staff from an Olympic sports side of things, really learning the ins and outs of, of leadership and running that side. And then I've been fortunate enough to, to get on here with the Rams. And, you know, it's, it's just a phenomenal next step in terms of seeing culture and really truly implementing systems and, and things like that. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride, man, but uh, obviously no complaints here. When you got into school to go play football, did you have thoughts or dreams of like, man, if I only got better, if I only lift a little bit more, if I only do this, then maybe I have a shot. Or did you go into college going, Hey, I'm going to maximize this experience and then figure out where it leads. It was much more, the second for me. Um, I, I really wanted to be the best player that I could possibly be. If that meant being a player in the NFL, great. But I was very realistic with myself in terms of there are other ways to win as a 
collegiate athlete without going to be a pro in whatever sport that you're in. Um, and, and really just wanted to maximize the opportunity for myself. And, and I feel that I did that. Um, and, and I mean, I remember after my senior year, I didn't participate in pro day, but I trained one of my teammates for his pro day. So for me, that was everything. That was what I wanted to be doing. But guys that I played with could not understand why I wasn't participating myself. So it, it's always kind of been that slant for me. Different, different mindset, but nonetheless, it's definitely helped you get to where you are. When you think about your journey at New Mexico State and being able to work with different athletes, different sports, right? You, you're constantly learning how it applies, right? Like how you train the golfer is different than how you train someone for volleyball, different than football and so on. And I should say coach, right? Like I know that the, the, the trainer uh, terminology is, you, you don't want to hear that. It's all good, man. But when you think about how you deal with different players, different perspectives that they have, different skills that they have, how do you go about learning each and every person uh, and how to maximize, you know, their abilities? Absolutely. And, and you hit the nail on the head. I had a lot of opportunities to see athletes from a variety of different backgrounds, be that cultural backgrounds or just training backgrounds. Uh, generally, it starts with a conversation and, and you, you treat them as a human being first. That will go a long way. If they have no training background, they're going to have a hard time being vulnerable about that, especially um, if I'm a, a college age male basketball player, for instance, I'm coming in. I'm a I'm a very skillful basketball player. What am I bad at lifting weights? What do I not want to do what I'm bad at? How can we find those little wins for athletes to be successful and then build upon that? Um, so, so that's really always been my approach. And then at this level, you know, these guys have lifting backgrounds, but it's a, it is a myriad of different lifting backgrounds from their college training to also how they're training in their time where they're away from us. So we have to still have that conversation and bridge that gap. It's not so much a, an inadequacy or being uncomfortable for the athlete, but it's how can we make what they believe in because we've got an incredibly educated group of guys who are very bought into their process. How can we bridge a gap from what they believe in to where we know we need to get them for the holistic performance of the LA Rams? So it, it's it's really been, I've been fortunate from going from, like you said, the, the variety of the college sector and being able to apply it here. And in terms of taking the guys that you get in right whether they're fresh out of college you know from the draft or free agent or they're a veteran how do you go about then developing that plan with them to make sure that you're maximizing you know your time with them as opposed to the time that they spend away you know wherever they live absolutely so for us it starts with a really great assessment so we've had that conversation give them a little bit of what we're about we're going to leverage our sports science technologies here, uh, like force plates, things like bar tracking technologies, on-field GPS. We're going to have them do a specific set of drills that we have a large amount of data from our team on. And, and we're able to say, okay, based off where, how you performed in these drills, here are the areas, what we call performance gaps, areas that we can emphasize to help you take that next step forward. Whether that's an orthopedic issue from sports medicine side, whether that's a speed issue on the field, whether it's a strength or power issue in the weight room. And then we, we give them those targets to hit. And then we want to recheck those over time to show improvement. Athletes now want to know why. 
And then they want to know, am I getting better? So we're, we're going to check in with that. Then if they have a, if they have a, a guy or a, a trainer or girl on the backside that they've been working with or a methodology that they feel comfortable in, we want to make contact with that other person. I think there are some other organizations that maybe could put a wall up there and shut that off. Um, but it, it's really paid off for us to go have that conversation and then try to weave the parallels within our program. We, we've got to be scalable and we've got to train the group as a whole. We can't just you know throw it all out for one person, but we are seeking to get to a truly individualized program. So if it's something that we already have buy-in and intent from the athlete in, then we're gonna have that conversation and we're gonna weave that in. And then all those pieces formulate the plan for us going forward and then test, retest, adjust, test, retest, adjust as we go throughout. How much of that, you know, you called small wins, small successes, right? And, and showing that they're getting better. How much does that help the confidence, not only in what you're doing, but then also translating to the field too? Absolutely. It's paramount for guys to see that, for the athlete to know that they're getting better. And all of these athletes, they're, they're high performers in their head, whether they sit down and write it out, they have a, a point that they know they feel strong enough, fast enough. And if you have these conversations, you can start to put numbers to that feeling for them. We've got a, a number of athletes who say, yeah, I just don't feel strong. I like to feel a little bit stronger going into camp. So we emphasize that, okay, this guy is gonna hit a, a bilateral strength block here and we're gonna make that a point of emphasis for him so that he can go out there and feel physical at the point of attack. Or I'd like to be just a little bit faster. Well, we know you already run 20 plus miles an hour, that's fast. But if you feel like you need to run a little bit faster, then we're just gonna dose you a little bit more of the sprint activity so that the mental side of things, because placebo effect or true performance effect, it, the main thing for us is Sunday. So we have to drive the mental buy-in and the confidence to get that stuff done. Now, we never want it to be contraindicated. We always want it to be safe as possible, but we do want to facilitate those moments where it is a, it's a subjective athlete data point, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. How much has, since you got into college and you started down the career path, how much has the data and analytics evolved over the last however many years to where you're constantly evolving as a coach with the data and you need to learn with the data as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, sports science, I feel, is at a point of refinement. Obviously, the technology is still getting better, but uh, I mean, anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, biomechanics have been studied for years and years and years and years. We still have some understanding, but there's new developments in that we're free from technology all the time. We're still learning to understand the human body. So you need to be constantly growing, adjusting with that. And then from a technology standpoint, when sports science kind of burst on the scene, everybody wanted all the data points that they could possibly get. Just give me more, give me more. And you kind of end up in this overwhelmed situation where you're looking at everything, which is pretty much the same as looking at nothing. There's nothing actionable. There's nothing pinpoint where the air, this data point tells me to do this. That's where we're trying to get to, where it is refined, it's understandable, um, and it's, it's actionable. That's our, our big word here is if we have data points that aren't actionable or aren't going to be actionable for us, we probably don't need to be collecting that data. We can focus our time resource on, on another piece that is gonna result in actionable performance interventions 
for us down the road. So there is an evolution, but it's a little bit less of what people think. It's not always give me more. Sometimes it's give me less, but give me better. And it's, and it's a refinement of, of who needs what data, right? To your point of, of the personalized plans and all of that. It's, it's so fascinating. I think when you think about uh, your role and kind of the position you're in, right? You get to not only learn from the players themselves as you're coaching them, but then you also get to learn from the other coaches that you're around. What's the biggest thing between the two that you learn differently? And then kind of what, what are the, some of the things that you're, you're picking up from those since you've joined the, the organization uh, that you're trying to continuously grow yourself? Yeah, great question. The, the thing that I'm learning from players always is that there is a performance solution for a tactical problem. And I'm not just learning that from players. I'm learning that from our football coaches as well. Um, we're, we're super fortunate to have a, a collaborative building here. And so there may be a, a target that me as a performance coach, I know we need to hit a certain amount of sprint yardage in a week, right? They, the players or the coaches have found ways within the sport of football to replicate those things that we need to see. And we've been able to collaborate and find those things. So for example, if I'm a receiver, I need some sprint volume work. I also need some route running work. If I do a bunch of sprints and then a bunch of routes, I have both, right? But they, these guys are expert performers and they're able to figure out a way to apply. I need sprint work. These are my deep routes. This is how that applies on a, on a deep cross route. I'm going to get roughly 20, 15 yards. We've got coaches on our staff who think as performance coaches here. Um, and, and truly that's a testament to the collaboration and to the education that goes on um, from, from our VP of performance to the head coach on, on down, right? That's everybody. Um, the other thing that I won't say I'm learning, but I'm constantly reminded of from the other strength coaches on our staff is there's more than one way to spin a cat. Um, we work, we've got five coaches here coaching four different position groups, then you have various categorizations within that, right? And you have to be agile and adjustable to make sure that all those targets are hit, all the needs are met for every single player here. Um, and so being able to see the creativity of John Griffin, a guy I work with who's a phenomenal creative programmer for a skill athlete, does things completely differently than maybe I, I had initially been brought up to, but then we see from the metrics that, oh, performance is driving up, athletes buy-in is drying up. So we, we wanna continue to uh, facilitate that. So I'm con we're constantly picking each other's brains and stealing from each other on our staff. And that's what makes this such a special and fun place to work. Well, you mentioned collaboration, you, know, you mentioned um, buy-in, right? These are all things that regardless of whether you're on the field, in the front office, part of an organization, they all apply, right? And it's just different contexts. But when you think about the buy-in piece, I think that's huge. How do you go about getting someone to buy into what you're telling them? And maybe it goes back to what you said at the very beginning of, it's just that conversation, treating them like a human being, but it's probably developing a relationship as well, knowing that, hey, you might be the new guy, right? And yeah. why should I listen to you if they, if they say, Hey, I got to know the why there's the why of what am I doing? And then why should I, why should I listen to you too? Correct? Absolutely. And so I was, I was brought up with trust is something you earn, not something you ask for. Um, so starting with that conversation gives you the opportunity to earn that trust. 
and then putting the player in a situation where they're successful, whether it's on the field, in the weight room, in a movement session, and they feel that difference, that's where you actually earn the trust. But walking in the door, you may have some guys trust. I, we go by those rules of third. You may have a third of the room's trust just because you walked in and, and you're the new strength coach. But you've got to earn the other two thirds by talking to them like they're a human being and then making sure that you're in the right play call. And, and I'm fortunate enough to have been brought up in systems that work and be refining systems that I know are going to reap results. So it's it's having that conversation. Just give me the opportunity to give you part of this system. And then once you feel it, I, I can give you a little bit more. And then just um, slow but actionable change. You don't want to walk in the door and just pull the rug from under people and, and completely blow up uh, a roster in terms of their training history, right? You want to leverage because they haven't been doing everything wrong. Nowhere in the country is it 0% right. So you've got to find the things that are right and then continue to build on them. That way it, it isn't just a complete and utter culture shock as well. No, it makes a ton of sense. As you think about 22-year-old Zach playing, their, playing your last game of football in college and you to give advice to someone who's doing that right now of, hey, I want to get into strength and conditioning. I want to get into the exercise science world. What steps should they take? What you know areas of, of the industry should they try and go get an internship in, et cetera? Uh, I, I think that there's a variety of really good experiences. For me, interning in the private sector or in the professional sector, if you can get it, is a great place because it is a, it's a smaller staff and it is a smaller athlete number. A lot of these places have really good curriculums. Now, I, I don't want to detract. The college setting is a great place to be as well, and there's some really good collegiate internship programs. But a lot of times you get a lot more interns to facilitate a lot more for athletes, and it's more about doing the work and a little less about the education. So I think if you can do that, uh, go, go get one of those internships and then find a mentor, whether it's a, a master level strength coach from the CSCCA or somebody who's NSCA certified and, and, and saddle up next to them and watch them and then start to coach athletes. Um, that was one thing that I felt that I did really early on was listen first and then coach and coach and rep it and rep it and rep it. Um, that it, it really changed how I carried myself and how I view things on the floor. And then I, we, we call them superpowers around here. Something other than your job that is a touch point for your job that is useful to you and is a unique skill set. So for me, the sports science piece, I'm a strength coach first and I'm always going to be a strength coach. And I, I love that part of performance, right? But the sports science is a, a superpower for me to then be able to go between sports medicine or go down and talk to tactical and, and have this touch point and have this relationship so that I have just a more holistic understanding of performance for the athlete as a whole versus I'm a strength coach and therefore everything should be about weights, right? Um, I think that those are the two big pieces. Find a mentor um, that's going to give you a chance to learn and then coach and then develop a, a superpower or an auxiliary skill set. So let's talk more about the superpower because that's interesting, right? And, and there's probably a balance of what you do 90% of the time, right? And that superpower, which I'm sure comes in, you know, to play 10% of the time. But how do you balance both of improving in, in both areas, learning in both areas, 
continuously educating, right? Do you evolve and develop a second superpower, right? Like what's the, just out of curiosity, right? What's, what are those superpowers and, and how do you go about it? Correct. Uh, I, I think that if you put yourself in the situation to develop that first superpower, that first skill set, that it organically puts you on a path to diversify your skills. You may find, say it's corrective exercise is, is what I want to do and, and fixing some of these orthopedic issues within the weight room. And then I get down the road and I start looking at identifying these issues. So that takes me into some biomechanics work and I develop that skill set. This, this picture of performance, there's so much interconnection. So I think the willingness from a young coach or a young person in the field to just subject themselves into an area where they're vulnerable and they're uncomfortable will lead you down that path to constantly doing it. So for me, going into sports science, looking at our systems here and how it, how it works from a holistic point of view, I, I can identify, I need to get better at speaking specific languages with our dietitian on hydration testing and how we can better facilitate that and get data. Or how am I turning over these visualizations and reports to coaches and to, to people in the front office? So then you get into true data analytics. There are so many touch points for me that it, it kind of happens organically just from the willingness to take that first step. When you mentioned the collaboration earlier, how do you go about learning about other people's jobs, right? Because if you can learn about what they have to do and you figure out how to make their job easier, right? With whatever, whatever you know, it could be nutrition, like you said, or transferring the data you know, side of things to the coaches. How are you going about the education piece for yourself other than just conversations? Yeah, I, so there's a lot of reading involved. I'll, I'll say that. And then um, podcasts are another one for me because it, it is a little bit more um, passive way for me to absorb information while maybe I'm getting my workout in. And, and I try to, to get outside my lane in those things and listen to things that are going to stretch me so that I, I have that level of, of education. Um, and then from a conversation, I think that there is an important way to have those and it's from a question piece. It's not, here's what I know, let me help you. It's what can I bring? What does this workflow look like for you? Because there, there may be some areas where I, I just need to stay out of it and, and let them develop their process versus injecting sports science into the mix for that. Um, so the, that's kind of how I go about that. As we wrap up the episode, biggest misconception of the strength coach world of exercise science? We're not all meatheads. It's not, uh, it's not, I'm a hammer, so everything's a nail type of, uh, we've got, there are a lot of great people in this profession who think about performance from a holistic point of view and began with it falling in love with the weight room, but it is constantly evolving and people are starting to find other ways to, to improve athletes' performance um, and, and really diversify their skills. That's kind of how I've alluded here. Um, so that's, that's the biggest misconception because I think that a lot of people maybe had a bad, bad experience early in high school. Maybe it was a gym teacher or something like that. And they think that we're here to yell at you and, and make you do more, lift more. And it's all about physical punishment. And it's, it's not, it's truly about optimization. And um, that, that's really where I feel that the, 
the majority of the profession is trending. Love it. Quick rapid fire as, as we finish up. Best workout you've ever done. Best, so best exercise? Best exercise, yep. Have to take the trap bar deadlift. Most people want to say the squat, but you, like everyone can load a trap bar deadlift. My dad is 65, and for his 64th birthday, I bought him a trap bar. I was like, here, <laughs> go do this. So that's that's my go-to. Favorite resistance band exercise? Uh, band, so Paloff press. It's an anti-rotation press. Gets fires up the core. You're probably familiar with the back with the baseball background, so that's that's a go-to for me. We're, we're definitely using it with QBs here. Still, still do the Paloff press. Yeah. Uh, if you couldn't play wide receiver, and maybe you, maybe you did play another position, but if you couldn't play wide wide receiver, what other position would you have played? Uh, running back. So that was the other one that I did that I did play. Um, I probably should actually no. I would definitely play safety. I was going to say, you, you, you played offense. What defensive position? I should have just played safety. I was blocking anyway and playing special teams. I was All I was doing was hitting people. There was It was none of the offensive side of the ball type glory anyway. I should have just said, you know what? I'm going to defense. That, that's, what we, that's what I would do. All right, last one for you. Uh, favorite post-workout food, drink, protein shake, whatever it might be. Peanut butter bagel, chocolate milk. And that's throwback to mid-major division one college nutrition right there. But that after a big squat workout, that's that's what you want right there. Love it, love it. Zach, really appreciate the time, the thoughts, the perspectives, insights uh, on your world uh, within the sports industry. Appreciate your time on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Thanks, Jake. Been great being here. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.